certainly in the, in the space that I'm from wrong is so bad, like getting it wrong, doing it wrong. Mistakes are like the worst thing. How could we ever purposely go into a situation to do something quote unquote wrong? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because it was uh, white supremacy culture.info had a really interesting sort of blurb on this that I, that really kind of struck me, which was talking about this being like missionary culture, basically of like the one right way is my way. And you will come round and see the light to the one right way. And then you will be saved. Welcome back to the Joy, Color, Impact, and Dogs podcast. Today we have our first official full Dealing with Whiteness episode with my guests, Dr. Lynn Maureen Hurdle and Justin Naeem Hurdle-Price. And this episode is one I wanted to start with because I found the topic that we're diving into today very surprising. (laughs) I like never would have understood the connection between perfectionism and racism, white supremacy, or anything other than, you know, this paradigm of rightness. And as we'll talk about in this episode, having kind of one right way and sort of an accepted established level of good that was the baseline that everybody should be achieving you know, 20 years in entrepreneurship have really helped me unravel the perfectionism myth as, you know, someone who has to perform at a pretty high level in multiple businesses and as, you know, a parent and a human and all the things that get layered on top of us in a day or week. Unraveling perfectionism, unlearning perfectionism and focusing on wholeness and well-being and, you know, habits and activities instead of output has been transformative for me. But when the conversation came up during On the Matter of Race, that perhaps perfectionism was deeply rooted in something very white, and in some cases a little bit more sinister, it kind of blew my mind a little. I was like, what? How can perfectionism have anything to do with racism? So today, Dr. Hurdle and Justin and myself, we're going to unravel this a little bit. As per usual, I'm going to ask a few dumb questions. (laughs) I'm going to present a little bit of research. And we're going to hear from Dr. Hurdle and Justin on their take being Black in America, being, you know, entrepreneurs, being in the work and dealing with whiteness on a regular basis. I think this is an episode you're really going to enjoy. I think it might be a bit surprising for you. I think it might open your eyes to some perspectives you might not have thought about. And if you are someone who has struggled with or still struggles with perfectionism, possibly give you some new ways to look at what is right, what is correct, what is good enough in some new ways that might help you hopefully heal a little bit and maybe let go of some of that struggle. So without further ado, here we go. Hey, Dr. Lynn and Justin, welcome back. What's up? Thank you. Nice to see you. 
So I think we have a really good topic in store for today. And I'm really excited about this one because from the first time this came up when we were having discussions in On the Matter of Race, it has, I will not say haunted me because that sounds negative, but it's been like (laughs) churning away um, in my mind. And I think partly because it comes up so much as a topic for the entrepreneurs that I work with, Mm -hmm. um, because most of my audience is white. I did not realize that there are major roots of what we're going to talk about today in white supremacy. And so I think this is going to be an eye-opener for a lot of people listening. It certainly was for me the first time it came up, but the topic today is perfectionism. Mm. Any opening thoughts before I dive into what the internet says? (laughs) I think people are always striving for that. And so when so many people, especially, and they're always striving for that or being driven toward it, when that happens, we need to really, we all need to think about why. What is this based on? Where is this rooted Mm -hmm. in? And how has it affected my life and so many other lives? That brings up a really interesting question for me. And I'm Like, I'm curious about just the cultural difference in whiteness and blackness between questioning Mm -hmm. the dominant paradigm. Like, I feel like me and my peers did not grow up questioning things like, oh, what is this? Where is this coming from? Can I trust this? That's right. Mm -hmm. Like, that must be. Most people don't. Most people don't. But. Uh, after a while, I'll just speak for myself as a black woman. I mean, you have to start questioning. Once you start, when you, even for me, learning the littlest thing, the littlest piece of history that really course corrected everything that I was thinking, that to me was uh, important and it sent me looking for more. So I think that you're right, uh, a lot of white people, but it, but here's that piece around perfectionism too. You don't question, right, the status quo, you don't question because the assumption is that it's already been perfectly done, right? So mm-hmm. this, it's perfectly right. So it ties right into perfectionism like why would you question it because of course it's right because it's perfect and because it's familiar and it's of my people and and it's and it was most likely created by somebody white yeah Mm. Mm -hmm. so interesting we're not even in the topic yet and it's so good (laughs) (laughs) okay so a couple of really useful websites as I you know I always like to try and do just a little bit of research coming into this conversation to kind of gauge what is out there in terms of the literature but on the publicallies.org website there was a nice definition I thought which was that perfectionism is a characteristic of white supremacy that holds everybody's work to an unreasonable standard set by those with the most privilege. So basically what you just said. (laughs) But what I found really interesting about this is, A, this is not a definition of perfectionism I would have ever seen, (laughs) ever. And also like when you read it, when you hear it like that, when you read it like that, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Does that resonate for you, that definition? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. 100%. It's the reason that we 
you know, straighten our hair when it's naturally curly. It's the reason that we makeup's a thing. It's a reason, you know, it's a re- it affects everyone, right? But it's the reason that, you know, the perception is more valuable than the reality. And um, absolutely that that is something that was most likely created by a white person. The thing in relation to the conversation around race that I find almost funny about this is thinking back to the beginning of my journey and knowing what I feel like the beginning of pretty much every white person I know what the beginning of the journey looks like. And we've joked about this before, but it's the give me the checklist, right? Give me the checklist because I want to do this right. I need the checklist of what I can and can't say, what I should and shouldn't do to not get canceled, right? That at its core is this manifest, isn't it? Like, how do I do this perfectly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, because you guys spend a lot of time, bless you, working with white people. In your experience, do you find that this is more of a white phenomenon or do you feel like this this phenomenon of like, I just want to do it right. I just want to do it properly is kind of cross-cultural, cross-racial. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's so many, like I know as a black person will say, we were taught you always have to work twice as hard, be twice as good, that kind of thing, right? Mm. And so that is, that also, if it ties definitely into perfectionism, it's not that, folks don't want to do their best, right? It's not that, it's that there is this way of being that's been declared the best. And also it's been created to be able to say or continue to say, and these folks are less than, right? And so- Right, so if it's built in like a white paradigm, it's gonna serve whatever Right. It's easy for white people, let's say, as a very basic example. And if that doesn't come naturally to you, like one of the things I found in here that I found really interesting was like a focus on the written word, whereas obviously that is in a lot of ways, very European, like, you know, whereas in tribal communities and other communities, you've got a focus on storytelling and, you know, verbal history. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good example of like, there one of those is not right but in the dominant culture in the dominant paradigm one of those is right right always 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 right yeah Yeah. okay yeah so another thing that's talked about a lot that perfectionism isn't something that's talked about a lot it's just what people tend to go after and it's also the reason i think that there's such a high price people have to pay just for making a mistake. Like it, it, right. It is treated as is, as if it is the worst thing in the world. And that's because you're measuring it against, oh, it wasn't perfect. Right. And didn't make it perfect. You made a mistake. And, and then it's not just the act, right? It's the person. So correct. it's not just like, this is wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> yes. I love it. Language is so important. You're wrong. Not this is. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm. So this kind of ties into the thing that I think, you know, a big part of this topic, which you just can't ignore, which is at the center of it, 
which I think na needs naming, which, you know, I was sharing with you before we started recording. <laughs> and this is like really embarrassing to say out loud, but like this idea that there is no one right way to do things is an idea I still hadn't even really considered in my 30s. Mm -hmm. And now just into my 40s, I'm like, I know it's true, but I'm still unraveling my you know family of origin which everything from loading the dishwasher to making a salad to getting a job going to school everything had one right way and it was very strict and there was a lot of rules around you do it this way or it's not good enough which obviously creates a whole culture of not good enough right but how do you feel like what's your take on how this one right way plays into the perfectionism topic or how it plays out in society yeah well again pointing to the model right the model person that everybody wants to be like is the white person right and so if that's the model that perfectionism is using and we're saying that perfection is important then there it only makes sense then that you start to be told or think that there is only one right way like if the perfect way is the perfect, one right way right. yeah all i want to be is perfect like you said give me the cheat sheet give me the checklist and i'll just go ahead and do that right instead of so many so many different perspectives and the use of creativity creative solution making and that is just being left out and and not considered at all as uh, authentic, right? Yeah, yeah interesting to think about the crossover between perfection and authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead, Justin. Nothing but, uh, you know, just limiting yourself. You know, it's honestly just, um, you know, it goes with the agenda that's being pushed today of, of, you know, we're trying to get rid of critical thinking. The last thing that powers that be want are people that critically think ask questions uh, that, that, that ask questions that <clears throat> live strategically um and you know you can you can have a strategy have a game plan and you can have all these things right but you know i think there's a lot of lessons that come in mistakes um i think there's a lot of lessons that come in you know obviously not like going out of your way to like hurt people or something but like if you're in a friendship or a relationship and like you know someone says, oh, well, I don't really like the way you're talking to me, or I don't like this word being used, right? Um, something like that. Like, it's just nothing but a learning experience, right? It's nothing but uh, continuing to grow your capacity for, honestly, anything that could be thrown at you, good and bad. And so, you know, I can't even fathom that type of thinking. You know, it's honestly never been instilled in me. So I think, you know, my parents, and obviously God, that that's who I am naturally, but, but I... I have never thought once a day in my life that, you know, one size fits all, you know, for mm -hmm. anything. Because it's so important as well. You just bring up this concept of mistakes. Um, you mentioned it as well in this idea of it's just so funny even to think about the word mistake in mm -hmm. my paradigm, my world, my brain is like now as an entrepreneur, I've had to embrace that mistakes are opportunities. Right. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, Lynn, based on your experience as an entrepreneur, but I feel like there's nothing 
other than like being in marriage that forced this level of personal growth <laughs> to be able to like build and run a business. But one of those pieces I think is necessarily has to be, you know, trial and error. You got to try some things and some of them are going to be wrong, but certainly in the, in the space that I'm from wrong is so bad, like getting it wrong, doing it wrong. Mistakes are like the worst thing. How could we ever purposely go into a situation to do something quote unquote wrong? Mm -hmm. And is really interesting because it was uh, white supremacy culture.info had a really interesting sort of blurb on this that I that really kind of struck me, which was talking about this being like missionary culture, basically, of like the one right way right. is, you know, my way, and you will come round and see the light to the one right way. And then you will be saved. That's right. (laughs) Is that, do you think that's That's an accurate explanation of this? That's right. And if not, then we'll go another way and get you, you know, later. But we want everybody to be this way, the right way. I mean, it's almost impossible that this isn't deeply linked to both like colonialism and religion, right? Absolutely. Yeah, right. absolutely. Exactly. And, you know, to to get it right, we're not saying that people shouldn't want to do their best, but that's not what we're talking about here, right? We really are talking about a way of thinking and living and acting that has people really bought into this one model what does everybody want to be right racially and which is why because that's the model that's clearly the best perfect right as a perfect (laughs) model and so everybody steered towards that when you talk about taking native american children away right i was just thinking about the schools putting them in the school so they could learn how to lose the savage and gain the man or i mean it was just ridiculous what the thoughts were, but again, the perfectionism, nobody is saying that white people are perfect. That's exactly what we're saying. It's not true, right? Just like anybody else, but white people being white in America, especially but even globally, right? Has benefits to that's who we defer to, default to and defer to, right? It's like, that's, that's who everybody needs to try to be like. And there's no perfectionism there either, but that's what has. Well, and for white people as well, it's still like whatever it is, wherever it is, the whole point of perfection is that it's an impossible standard, right? So nobody's ever satisfied. Nothing is ever enough. No one's ever good enough. Like even if you are the perfect paradigm of the quote unquote, perfect white person, perfection is still going to screw you, right? Because like, you know, even if the system was built for you, it was built for you to fail. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And everybody loses with that, but it really does help to perpetuate the stereotypes, right? So you have Mm -hmm. Asians, minority, they're pushing themselves and their children, right? Really hard. That's pretty much known in the Asian community nothing wrong with your children wanting your children to do the best have the best right but 
it's this impossible standard that they're going for, right? And so it's like, oh yes, so the model minority, not even looking at the fact that that's just a label that doesn't even include so many Asian people who don't live under that stereotype, who are struggling, who are different, living different lives than what the, uh, the narrative is out there about them. And this seems like, logically, it is just a really huge tool for capitalism <laughs> yeah. to make everybody really efficient worker bees, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because if you're busy like expanding your consciousness or learning how to love properly or focusing on your own personal health and well being, like that's not productive for society, yeah. right? Right. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it is. We're all designed to lose, but most certainly there are marginalized communities are losing so much more. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, again, in that like the, the equity between like how far along you already are in the game when you start, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of how likely you are to win. Right. And or, it always is, a, it, there always is a winning, right? It can't right. just be like, we can't just enjoy our lives and do That's nice right. things, right? It, it's always That's a competition. Right. That's right. So one of the quotes along this line that I thought was so powerful on this same um, site, white supremacy culture.info was there is no relationship between perfectionism and excellence. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, even just just yeah. like this week when I read that, I was like, there isn't? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like, how could there not be? But I love like what you said earlier about like, you know, authenticity. And even if we just look at innovation, you know, you look at like the Googles and the 3Ms of the world, like they've put so much money and research into figuring out how to innovate faster, better, more efficiently, right? And they find they need to give people free time and they need to play and they need to sleep and all these things that, you know, Google's now working into their wacky workspaces. Like there's nothing there about perfect. It's all about exploration. It's about how many mistakes can you make in order to find something good? Like, yeah. I feel like even though that is a massive capitalist model, that at least feels a little bit closer to true than what most of us are taught about how to go be a good grown up. Yeah, absolutely. It is much more complex than we're allowed to be. And that's the whole piece, right? That's why everyone else is different, right? Everyone else, every, when I'm talking about communities of color, right? We're all different from being white. Again, you have to be, the it other. Has to be a model, a standard, right? Yeah. So if that's not who you are, everyone else, millions and millions and millions of people, right? Are different. Yeah. yeah. yeah and there's intersectionality here, isn't there? Because it's not just, a race thing obviously there's also a lot of class and gender here you know poor people are not set up to do as well as middle class and wealthy people they're never going to be able to isn't it, they're going to be further behind in the game and even things like accent you know that is correlated to 
uh, class or, you know, regionality. I, right. you know, we see that in America, we see that it's really extreme here in the UK. There's so many more accents here and, you know, you have so much bias around, oh, those people are thick. You know, those yeah. people are dumb. Those people are stupid. Those yeah. people can't possibly be X, Y, and Z, right. which feeds into this, like, how are they ever going to be able to reach this perfectionism paradigm if people when they hear their voice just make assumptions which I guess is similar as skin color isn't it yeah absolutely yeah okay so before we jumped in I was telling you a little bit about my family my mom's dad's mom was very German very, very German, very precise, very perfectionist. I've heard a lot of stories about the outfits that he was forced to wear and how many times a day he had to wash his hands and like just wild, wild. So my grandpa was an engineer and he was like one of those guys who was probably a little bit brilliant, a total alcoholic and could do amazing things. Like when we went to the beach and he made sandcastles, he would literally build cathedrals, like incredible cathedrals. And he built a model railroad in his basements and like he could make and do amazing things. So, you know, the, the pressure of all this perfectionism in his childhood led him to be an engineer where he could have this, you know, incredible control over physics, basically, sand, electricity. He was a color engineer. So I think that's where I get my interest in color from. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course, filters down through my mom, which then filters down through my childhood of like, there is a one right way. There is a one right way, you know, an obsessive sort of focus on doing it the one right way. That's my background. What is yours? Like, what was your experience growing up about both of you guys? I mean, obviously it's a little bit tricky to ask Justin because he sat here with his mom, (laughs) but I'm curious for both of you, like as you grew up knowing like the quote unquote right and wrong way to do things or the way you were taught of how to do, you know, basic household tasks or perform at school. What was that experience like for you? You know, it was, it was really interesting for me. I mean, I can remember, like I said, being told, you know, that I have to be twice as good, that I really have to look a certain way, speak a certain way. That was always it. And it was usually different from most of the people who were around me who were Black because we have our own style that we bring to language. But in any case, it was worse when we moved to a white neighborhood and it was clear that they were all in tune. I mean, yes, I didn't come at the beginning of the year, the school year was elementary school. I didn't come, you know, the school year I came in third grade. So, but Still, it I felt very different. I was always different, like the different person, and it never felt right. It felt like there was always something that they were going after. That even though I would at times go after it, it wasn't presented to me in a way that made me want to. I really wasn't motivated uh, other than that my parents would not allow it, right? So I had to get good grades and, but I didn't, I retained next to nothing because it was 
just not of interest. And I didn't see me. It, mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. see me. We did the uh, the Brit the Brit the Britain coming. Right. I'm sorry. We did. We studied history, right? And so I was trying to find somebody, the only person I knew that was Black, because this was the year before Dr. King was killed. So this was Crispus Attucks, who fought fought in the revolution, right? And so, okay, one Black person. One Black person in history. I know, and I just kept remembering saying to my parents, I don't understand. There was nobody else like we. Wow. It just never made sense to me. But at the same time, I knew that that was the narrative that that people wanted, right? To so that you can certainly feel less than when or your classmates all have all of these people to choose from for their reports. And I have this one. Yeah. So it was an interesting thing to grow up knowing that I was outside of what was happening and and then the whole perfectionism of how you look, right? So there was all of that. I never fit into that at all. The um, I never got the roles, like leading roles in the school plays. And I knew that I wouldn't. And I knew I was taking acting lessons, you know, forever. So I knew that I was very good. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, when you know, I knew I also knew I wasn't gonna be Mary, I wasn't gonna be Mary Poppins or whoever else, because again, too, look at what they were doing with the plays, the kinds of plays they were doing, and just yeah. So you got yeah. layers there of like having to do twice as much for less of everything not fitting into like the way you look not fitting into the perfectionism paradigm no matter what your performance is never really feeling like you ever have a chance of even being noticed or winning or whatever it is anyway and yet having to keep performing at that high level in order to just skate through yeah yeah that's intense all right, Justin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my experience was interesting too, because I, you know, I feel like my life has kind of been, you know, this, this double-edged sword, you know, like this, you know, living in two worlds kind of thing, because mm-hmm. I'm a black man in America, but throughout my whole life, I went to private white institutions. So PWIs. And honestly, like different degrees of like PWIs. So, so one being, I mean, to say one being like, you know, there was more diversity, but you know, like one school had more diversity, but uh, white kids still were the dominant um, population and, and the administration was white, right? Then we had another school where it was like, you know, I ran a, a protest when, um, Michael Brown was killed. And, you know, while we put up Black Lives Matter signs, you know, two white girls decided to cross out all the, you know, black on everything and and put all, uh, that's where I got called the N word for the first time, you know, that's, uh, 
And this was like boat shoes, khakis, like, you know, lax bros, hockey, you know, hockey heads, like, you know, it was that type of, of PWI um, where, where this, you know, high school campus looked like a college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my parents definitely, you know, made sure that I knew my history outside of February. Um, so I, I was very much, you know, I was very much set in who I was. I always felt I knew who I was in the sense of there's a certain power in me. There's a certain, you know, activist in me. There's a certain just, you know, strength in me that um, not everybody has. And so I was able to maneuver those, those places as best as I could, but it was very tough. You know, when you're in a, a school that's run by white people, you know, just because we had more diversity in this other school, you know, and I felt safer to kind of be who I was and stuff like that, you know, it doesn't mean that I consider it less of a, a PWI. You know, like it was still run by white teachers. It was still run by a white administration who was, you know, making the choices at the end of the day of, of how uh, these school days are going to affect everyone. And so, you know, in school, we're not learning. <laughs> we're not learning about, you know, the, the people that truly are amazing, um, just just people um, outside of white faces, right? And so um, it was really interesting because I just was always fighting myself uh, every single day. It was like, you know, well, you're telling me this, but I'm being told this, and you're saying I should feel this, but I feel this. And a lot of times in those environments, they'll tell you, well, you know, again, one right way. This is the way we do things. If you can't get down with it, you can get out. And it's not really, you know, there's not a lot of space, especially for kids of color, um, to work around a mistake. You know, to me, when we're talking about questioning things, right, I'm questioning everything. I'm questioning everything. I'm I'm asking questions all the time, like of, of you know, small degree and, and, and a large degree. And that's to keep me safe. You know, because I, I have been taught not by my parents, by my experiences that mistakes are fatal for a black man. Mm, um, yeah. So I got to, you know, I got to watch how I move. I got to watch the people that I keep around me. Like, I, I have to continue to question, you know, who you are, what you're about, where you're at, you know, all I- internally. You made such a good point there. I just want to call out because it just sort of struck me. And I don't think we've said this explicitly that like perfectionism to like most privileged white girls is going to be like, oh, I didn't get a high enough test score. Oh, I didn't get the job I wanted, you know, and perfectionism to a young black man in America is not is trying to avoid getting killed. Right. Like, I mean, there are levels, obviously, but like the the stakes we're talking about here for perfectionism for a white person and perfectionism or let's say performative perfectionism like trying to just do double do it better do it faster etc is like the stakes are way higher for you and i think for me you know i think of fatal not as just you know losing my ability to breathe i take it as yeah taking away my livelihood Mm-hmm. taking away something inside me. even just your ability to go to the school right like right. so if you're taking my education away or my right to education you're taking away you know my right to critically think right and that's only going to limit myself if you're taking away my home right and i'm homeless then 
you know, self-esteem is like the one thing that everyone cares about the most, obviously. But when you're black and you're in these schools, you're, you're in every school, honestly, or, or the majority, um, and you're not learning anything more outside of, of February, you are naturally going to think, you know, white is right or, you know, I'm wrong and things like that. It doesn't matter the demographic of the students and whatever. Um, it's literally just based on the curriculums, right? And that kills a part, that kills a piece of you inside, like it really does. And so I take it as, you know, I take it as, you know, if you, if I can't love myself or, or something like that, because of something that, you know, you did or, or a system did, right, then that's fatal too. Like, it's, 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 a, it's dying, something dying, period. You know, it's, it's not just, um, you know, me losing my life. So, yeah, you know, people love to say fatal when it comes to, you know, just our right to breathe, our right to air, but it's sure. our right to everything. It's our right to everything that makes life well, the whole list of inequalities, right? right? Like fatal for my success, fatal for my health, fatal for my, you know, yep. future. I'm really glad you you kind of went into detail there because I think that's a really important point. Absolutely. I think this idea that you brought up around self-esteem and like, if this is the one right way and there is no chance in hell, I can be that because of the way I was born looking like this. Yeah. And this idea of like, where do you go from there? Like, where are you at with that, like internal struggle at the moment of like, this is the one right way. I will never be that because I am black and this is the paradigm I am outside. Like, where are you at in the moment with kind of reconciling that for yourself and the world that you live in? That's yeah. a big question, but. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question though. Um, so I'm in a weird spot, right? I'm, as I said earlier, fighting myself, right? Every day. So part of me is like, you know, be yourself, talk the way you talk, however it comes out and just, you know, screw how it sounds. Just, just, you know, your place, you know, how, how, you know, it's going to land and stuff like that. So just say it. Um, and then part of me is thinking, you know, well, I still got a code switch to keep my foot in the door with some, with, with some. Can you just explain really quick for everyone listening, what code switching is? Yeah. So code switching is, uh, pretty much doing whatever you can to sound um, smart, um, to sound like you have expertise, to sound um, like your word is trustworthy and uh, all that wrapped into one to sound white. So right now I'm speaking as me, right? But if I'm, at, if I'm in a job interview and something like that, then you know, I may pick up my tone of voice, right? The way that I say certain words, I, you know, there's a certain, certain like, you know, slang that we have, or not even a slang, like a twang to our voice. Like, like enunciation. A, you know what I mean? Right. The way we announce things, like, it's just, you know, it's the way we talk and like, that's just how it is. Like, you can hear it right now. Like, it's how, you know, but um, I would not be speaking like this right now. Like, if I was in a job interview, I would not be speaking like this right now. It would not give me the job. That simple. I would not sound articulate which is a word oh that I, there it I, is yeah and that's a word that's just such that's the biggest backhanded compliment you know slash insult you could ever give to a person of color can we dive but, into that really quick yeah, yeah is this a good moment to do that because yeah. i think this is a really important one and this is really important as well because of the first time like everyone in our group met you and yeah. 
you are an incredibly well-spoken guy. You are young and you sound way older than you are. You are clearly <laughs> experienced, well-read, very soulful. Like you have got a lot going on for just being a great orator. And so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the white reaction immediately and i think this happened in some of the groups didn't it was to be like oh gosh he's so eloquent mm -hmm. oh, tell yeah. us why that is such a backhanded remark yeah. uh because why are you surprised yeah. that's it yeah why are you surprised exactly so would you say that to the 21 year old white kid i don't i don't know i don't know how that would go but i would probably yeah i mean it would definitely be along those lines like you know like what we were expecting you know, it's something like that, but... Um, oh, I mean, like, would a white person say to a 21-year-old white kid, you're so... Oh, white, white kid, you're so eloquent. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Uh, no. No. Uh, I don't think I've ever even heard that. So the expectation life. is that it's white just, people are eloquent. Standard. It's just the standard. It's just, I would, you know, if you're born looking like this, you are it. And, and kids, kids are smart. They can pick up on, you know dynamics very quick and so when you have that that language being spewed to you and and you know just you are and you just you like it uh, like you like i'm so amazed you right, could you know possibly I mean? like, speak right, so well right wow, Justin. Like, it, you know when you're a white kid it's like you know well i what did i do like i'm like i'm just being a kid but for me it's like you know right i have to be well read i have to be you know it's all like in preparation for that exact comment right and so it's why you're surprised it's like a you know why is that so interesting why is that why does that grant such a oh my god like you know what I mean? like what's so surprising about that you know so and in some way it's not even the words i mean it is but in some way it's just the way that they're delivered like wow lynn your son he's so eloquent wow right, right. right. it's the, right. It's it's the level of surprise yeah because yeah. a lot of times when it, you know from yeah. a white person it's the assumption that we are not that so you know i'm and i i respond like that with anyone on it like i'm just you know like why is that surprising right uh, it doesn't matter who you are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna but I think this topic but, is really triggering for white people, isn't it? Because yes. we don't understand like, oh, well, I would say that to anyone who surprised right. me by opening their mouth and sounding great. It's like, but would you, would you though? Would you like, though? Right. That's the thing. Would yeah. you? Yeah. I, I think you? it's a really important one for us to examine as white people where I think this kind of, I think it did make some people defensive in when yeah. we were having this conversation because they're like, well, you are so well-spoken. Like, yeah. and then it's like defensive, like, well, but you're so young, you know? Yeah. And then there's like, oh, but also this. And it's like, well, how much of this is your unconscious bias playing out of like, Oh, a black, black man walks in yeah. wearing a hoodie and this is right. not the vernacular you expected right. versus right. like, actually this young man has incredible potential and is incredibly right. skilled and talented and intuitive and like, say those things, <laughs> just right. don't say eloquent, right? right. Intuitive, well-spoken, you said it. You even said it yourself, well-spoken, like I hear well-spoken for white kids and then articulate right. for for us and so it's, it's like, almost this little dog whistle exactly it's like it's it's really? giving it's like you know throwing a bone it's like you know it's not even really a word you really want 
mm. to be associated with, to be, mm. to be honest. It's like, you know, because we know the place that it's coming from nine times out of 10. Mm. Um, and we don't when we say it right Right. we are completely oblivious to that ignorant to that right and yeah 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 white people really don't know how uh how hurtful that can be for some people you know other people can take that to the chance well and the intention is to be complimentary right so then they're all defensive like i'm paying you a compliment why are you being so annoying about it you know (laughs) right yeah right and then all you know all that but you're young but you're this, but it's just, you know, justify anything, anything to say, but you're black. Yeah. I mean, but that's what's, again, that's the narrative that's put out there. And so there is that surprise, I would say surprise, relief. Uh, Yeah. Relief is a, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay. He's articulate. Like the, okay. Talk about the the relief. Fresh air. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that so? Is that fear based? You think that's like, oh, I don't have to be scared of you because you're like, you're one of us. Yeah, you're one of us, um, or you've hung around us long enough, you know, and whatever. You're safe. You're safe. You know, we we accept you. Mm. Um, that's kind of the vibe that I get from that, like, because I literally can see the shoulders drop when I (laughs) as soon as I open my mouth. Um, as you very well spoken, very well spoken. Well, and, and, um, and intuitive. So you're good at reading right. people. So you know what people are going to want to hear Correct. and how they're going to want you to show up. Correct. Because obviously so. this must play out in the reverse, right? You must go into environments where you have to not be this person. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. You know, I have to, I have to, I have to think about every, where I go and, and how I'm going to show up all the time, every day. I can't just be you know, like in the, in the spaces I can, I, you know, definitely have my own breath of fresh air, my own drop the shoulders, my own relief. Mm. But, um, that's just, uh, that's not the world that we, <clears throat> that's not the world that I live in. It's not my experience. And it, it, it can't be, you know, I, I like, it's almost like I think about like, like spidey senses, right? Like, you know, it's like this tingling almost actually that can happen when I'm outside. Mm. I'm like, you know, am I safe here? Am I good? Am I, am I talking the right way I should? Am I fitting in well? Am I whatever? You know, that's why I can literally go anywhere. I feel like I can literally go anywhere in this world, even though I still feel unsafe. Because mm. I can just, I know I can exhibit myself well and, and, and exert myself well, sorry. But, um, you know, who knows if you're going to take it well. You know, that's the, think of all these killings. You know, we, there are a lot of killings that happened to us where we did the right thing. Yeah, that's the lottery, isn't it? Right. Hands on the wheel, you know, asking the right questions, respectful tone, all that stuff. No weapon, no doing anything even illegal, right? And, and conducting ourselves completely human. And it's, it hasn't been enough. So I, I, I truly do take that into consideration and people think it's extreme. I'm like, yeah, it is extreme because thanks for that. I did not choose this (laughs) because I'm not. Yeah. Like you're, you're saying that's extreme as if it's not. Yeah. I do this for fun. Right. As if I'm just doing this to do this, as if I'm just thinking this way to think this way, as if I'm just, it's like, you know, and and people, you know, who get that are in my life and people who don't aren't. So it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. I truly think I can go anywhere, but who knows if I'll actually be able to come home. 
tough being a black man in America. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's tough. It's not for the weak, but I guess that's why God put me here. So I'm gonna do what I can to love this black skin, you know. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dr. Lynn? Where are you at in that whole self-esteem yeah, paradigm? I definitely in the uh, being black, I'm definitely really in a good place space with that have been for a really long time but I didn't start out that way I right. definitely started out once we moved into the all-white neighborhood I definitely started out just not feeling like definitely feeling inferior in many ways so but yeah I'm I've come I'm good I'm I've come good and I'm good and I'm good with I've always been interested in other cultures. I've always did. I've just never felt, even from little, yeah. that it was just black and white. And, yeah. uh, and so I'm always interested in other people's stories. Uh, that's why I like the summit so much. I like when we have fireside chats and on the matter of race, because people bring forward their lives and we live very different lives here a lot of people live very different lives even when they live in the same neighborhood right uh and that's race-based whether people want to believe that or not so for me it's uh it's a good space to be in because I can welcome into the conversation folks who want to be a part of the conversation and it's really important that white people be a part of the conversation. I know there's a lot of fear out there. We talk about the whole perfectionism. You want to get it right. I got to get it. And it, it's it's messy. It's not yeah. clean like that. And uh, But it's really good and important work. And we've got to have more white people who want to but be curious about it and then do something, be involved, be in the work. I think that's a really nice way to end today. And I would love to just ask one sort of question that is maybe a little bit of an invitation for those people who need it of like, okay, so the work is messy. Yeah. <laughs> we have to acknowledge white supremacy is a thing and white privilege is a thing and all of these things are real. Yeah. And there is no checklist. There is no perfect way to step in. What is your sort of thought from both of you? I'd love to hear your sort of thought invitation or kind of comforting message to the white person who is in this perfectionism paradigm, but really wants to learn more, do more, be better, try and step out of it a little bit, especially where it comes into you know, trying to become anti-racist or a proper ally or someone who is safe for Black people, yeah. where is the first place for them to start? I think you've got to, you can ask yourself what you're curious about and why. I think your why is really important as to what it is you are wanting to ask questions of. And, and then you've got to really look out there for resources, right? Because there are some resources out there, certainly on the matter of race is one, and we have a 
we just create a, a space where white people feel comfortable having a conversation. That's with other white people and, and with us. And it's just an important piece because most people in on a matter of race say, I don't have anywhere else where this is happening, right? Where I can sit with other white people really and learn together, but also go introspective and really share and talk about this. Um, so I say, get curious and then get busy. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a great soundbite. <laughs> get curious <laughs> and then get busy. Yeah, it nice. love it. And then what That's I would nice. add to that, you know, it's just a, you know, as you said, comforting message, inviting message. White people, it's okay to get messy sometimes. Um, it's okay to ruffle some feathers. It's okay to, you know, peel back some layers. As long as you're doing it in the right way, in the right <clears throat> space with the right intentions, you know, you think about intention versus impact, right? Just because you mean something, you know, you mean good, but something you mean well, something doesn't mean it's going to land right. And I think that this work highlights both of those words as, you know, powerful in their own right. Um, in that you, you got to come from the right place, but you also have to know that you're not going to get everything right. You're not going to sound right all the time. You're not going to know when to like, you know, why is this not happening at this time? Like life is that way. Life is naturally that way, but, but you as a white person will be okay in this work, getting messy, getting your hands in, in the mud. You as a white person in this work will be okay. Doing it imperfectly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, doing it without any one right way to do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> On no timeline. Mm, great On point. no timeline. You just it's 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 got to be your life. It's got to be in your blood. You may not start that way, and that's fine. But I mean, we uh, we're confident in our abilities that you work with us. It'll it'll become a part of your DNA. It sticks. Yeah. It does stick. Here we yeah. are. <laughs> in some way. In well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely vouch for that. <laughs> and I love this intention versus impact piece. That's something we talk a lot about around here because, you know, even just pulling it back out to brand building, there's what you want to have happen. And then there's what's actually happening in the real world. And I think we understand that as a business that like, oh, I intended to sell or I intended to make people feel good and no one's buying or they're not staying on the website. Hmm, my intention and my impact, they don't match. But we never really look at that in terms of our language, you know, using words like eloquence, you know, like we don't know what we don't know about that. And so oftentimes I think our in, we have good intentions and the yeah. impact is not good. Yeah. Um, and I really am very grateful for the on the matter of race space to kind of begin to unravel that and see it reflected back and to do that in a place like you said that is safe and also where you guys put yourself in the position to be that mirror and be like not cool that is not cool why not let me tell you mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. and yeah. i think that is so rare that is such <laughs> a rare gift that you guys are offering so it's a wonderful thing you do thank awesome. you very much thank you all right, guys, we'll end it there and uh, we'll have you back uh, very soon for another one of these awesome conversations. Can't wait. Cheers. Yeah.